The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Calgary Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you could find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's show, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we are dedicated to breaking down high-level MMA, and today, tonight, hopefully before the fight, we are going to be breaking down UFC on Fox 30, UFC Calgary, up there in old Canada, friendly neighbors to the north. Of course, speaking from the U.S. West Coast here, where I'm located. And uh, as usual, we are going to go from bottom to top. This will be an expedited version. Dan, you say that all the time. I mean it this time, because Dan Tom's got to get to work. i got an alarm set. May not have time to edit this. May not get it out to you as promised by morning, but I promise you it is being recorded right now, early morning. Um, just may not being able to get it out before I have to get out to the door and, and get to meet other duties. Uh, so it may just do may have to do an upload from the studio later on in the day. But either way, you'll be getting it pretty much about roughly 24 hours before the card. Uh, just a, a quick shout. Just want to give a quick shout to uh, all the fine people over at MMA Today. All of them. There's some quality cast there. But uh, in particular, just did a podcast over with Johnny Mack, John Franklin. Want to thank him for having me on. Um, I'll let him uh, you know, release the details there over for you. It's not really anything official yet, but but something that he's going to be doing. And uh, thank you for having me on, sir. I just want to give you a shout here on the uh, Protect Your Neck podcast. But uh, yeah, wow, just like that, we are going to get to it. Um, my main card article should be dropping any time now. Again, this is being recorded Friday morning, the 27th of July. Uh, so I'll have all my official picks and all that. But as far as my plays, I'm not quite locked in on what's going to be on the article. Same with the fantasy. But I got a good idea. I got my analysis, so you you guys will be getting um, my full thoughts on that as per usual. But as far as uh, stuff I'm, I'm, I'm tied to, don't don't have the the finalizations. But you guys will have all my thoughts by by, by the end of this thing. So don't you worry. All right, uh, starting from the bottom on Fight Pass. Only five they're stacking over on Fight Pass, are they? Yep. Yeah, Devin Powell versus Alvaro Herrera. Uh, yeah, this is uh, no offense to these guys. This is just filler, you know. The Crazy, uh, oversaturated schedule, and you got you got you got to fill things in and, and fill spots in. And th- th- this, you know, I don't want to complain. This is actually a pretty fun card. A lot of competitive matchups. And this is a competitive fight too, but definitely probably you know, its place is appropriate on the bottom. I guess you could say Alvaro Herrera, uh, Mexican dude, really freakishly big. I wasn't sure how he was even going to get down to 155 against Ronaldi, um, and he didn't look great doing it. Uh, and we didn't really get to see how he held up. You know, because it was over fairly fast. He held on that guillotine too long, got a OSP'd, a Von Flute, I should say. Um, and the thing is, you know, we haven't seen, you know, I don't see anything in his social media indicating that he's been training in the States to shore up his wrestling or scrambling abilities that he may likely be in with a guy like Devin Powell, who doesn't have great wrestling, but he's scrappy, scrambly, and that's only going to get better training over at Lozon MMA, the cross training that Devin Powell is doing in the New England area. 
Unfortunately, he's probably more known for, I believe, the ball incident. But, uh, yeah, he has uh, two losses, one split, one UNAM to, uh, I believe, Jakar Close. I don't have it in front of me in my notes, but, uh, of course, as usual, right? Yeah, good job, Dan. Uh, and um, Daryl Horcher is Khabib Sid. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he showed he can take an ass kicking, right? So I guess that's why I'm picking him here. Uh, and I feel like he can get past that storm, even though Alvaro really does have he really does have some nice hooks and punches when you can put them together. Granted, you have to you know kind of watch him outside of the UFC regional scene to see him doing his best work because uh, it isn't uh, isn't fair too well in the UFC or at this level. Um, not much to say there. That that one will probably be on the avoid list for that reason. Um, this next one, not so much. Uh, I'm 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 eyeing possibly you know I don't I don't think, I think it'll be anything official but 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 for my own personal thing just because you know it's one of my one of my few official dog picks here so we'll see on a play but uh, definitely possibly even if you want to go contrarian for like a, a DraftKings even though females aren't going to score too much but again if you're trying to look for dogs which again may, maybe not you know might not have to go contrarian there's actually I, I, for, for my liking there's much more dogs uh, as far as fantasy goes than than favorites I think 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 you know trying to decipher. Uh, the favorites might actually be harder for a card like this. But anyways, uh, Random Marcos, uh, plus 115, um, and uh, Nina Ansaroff, minus 135. I can see the line being the way it is, but uh, I, I got Randy here. It's, it's hard, also admittedly hard for me to get a read on Nina. You know, she, she is a deceptive sample size, which in her defense, that's also when those losses came about, you know, as far as knee injuries, layoffs, and stuff like that. And you don't want to take anything away from her opponents. But at the same time, without taking anything away, with leaving the door open for that possible excuse, you know, pressure and grappling pressure from not all that high of a level did did give her trouble. And that's on paper the route you probably want to take against a girl like Ansaroff, who's tough, does a sparring rounds with Nunez, and comes from a Taekwondo base um, and has improved at range. You know, she showed a, even in the Angela Hill fight, which was, you know, a competitive fight. Um or I say more, maybe maybe more competitive than the unanimous decision would lead on, but a, a you know a fun fight for those two. But different fighter here, you know. Uh, all respect to Angela Hill, of course, but but a, but a much different fighter in, in Randa Marcos, who uh, you know, I think got a bad, uh, bad uh, gig or big uh, perception. I don't know if it's from the reality show. I don't follow that, but the drama. She just didn't seem like a well liked individual from fans or her fellow fighters, kind of a thing. She also was camp jumping, which also comes from the inconsistent fights and losses. And then some of those losses, you could argue that she may have won. Uh, you know, there's some close split decisions there. So, uh, but what we do know is she really has made made market improvements on her boxing and her wrestling, which is her base. Um, she hasn't abandoned it, which is good. And she seems to want to go for it um, at the right times uh, for the most part in her fights, you know. Um, you know, she, she will make decisions, of course, like any fighter. Where you're just like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing, Randa? But, but I mean, for the most part, it's not like she's a fighter. Just completely forgot about her wrestling or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's that's like a number one worry with Randa. So I actually like her pressure here. You also have the uh, hometown factor. Not that that always works. Not that that's worked for her in the past either, right? Let's let's not forget. But uh, I'll take Randa here. All right, Dustin Ortiz plus one sixty. Matthias Nicolau minus one eighty five. Um, I agree with the line. I, I picked Nicolau, uh, and and Nicolau's burned me before. Um, I may or may not have picked him in the last fight. I think I might have. I definitely didn't play against him, but I might have. I'm just saying I might have picked uh, Smolka to be contrarian. I'm not really con be contrarian. I, I'm one of those few people who've actually backed Smolka as far as you know his potential. But obviously, he has his clear demons and problems that plagued his career. Right? I mean, we all know that. 
and what what kind of well, the way he went. Um, but that being said, he's still talented, so I don't think you can really write off the win if if anybody's trying to say, oh, he he beat this guy and and Moraga and Moraga, who I've been a critic of, he showed you know he's been resurgent too. So um, impressive wins over Nikola. More importantly, just the way he's been kind of fighting. He's just the guy who's you know where hasn't he trained? You know from from De La Grates to uh, uh, Albuquerque. Uh, it, it, as far as the states go, uh, Damian Maya. Of course, he you know came from Novo and Yao, which uh, not not a bad place. Not a bad place to get your start. Accoladed Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Um, yeah, the dudes the dudes trained all over the place, and um, and he's just like a little specimen, man. And I could really see him evolving into the next kind of like Jose Aldo, especially the way he fights. You know, he's very, he's not throwing himself out of position. A lot, a lot of similarities, you know, Brazilian coming from, you know, jiu-jitsu, but he can hit, you know, reactive takedowns, like hit a double leg, or he can hit like those Lido Machida, like karate, judo, uh, mid-transition sweeps. Uh, it's so many, so many things at his disposal. Obviously the left hook, which he varies the tempo and timing well. Um, good range and distance management, whether he's facing like a shorter compact guy with a good counter right hand or a longer guy like a Luis Smolka. I mean, I, I could really go on about Matthias. And Dustin Ortiz, you know, I give Dustin Ortiz a lot of shit for, you know, uh, abandoning Willow and siding with Burble Cup back in 89, that Ron Howard classic. Who could forget? But I got to move past that at a certain point. I really also got to stop making that joke at a certain point because uh, Dustin Ortiz, man, he, 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 he he's underrated. He really is. He... Uh, you know, his bite is, is, is stay chapping gimmick, which kind of you know gets old. The dude really lives that lives that that gimmick, man. He he really works hard and grinds, and he's done some camp jumping himself with mixed success. You know, I really like the success he had. It seemed like his striking was always on point when he was training over at CSA. You know, as far as his Muay Thai over in California, uh, but this camp he's training in California, but Northern California. He's up in San Jose at AKA, where he spent looks like roughly the last month. Um, where he's hit some places on the way, like the UFC PI. But AKA seems like, oddly, a perfect fit for a guy like uh, a Dustin Ortiz. So I'm really curious. Um, uh, so I'm definitely, you know, I, I agree with Matthias being the favorite. And, and, and uh, I'm on him here. I may, I, may, I may put him in a play. I don't know if I, I play him straight or we'll see what the line does. Or I put him in a for fun parlay. But I'll tell you what, I'm not doing anything serious if I do play uh, Matthias because... D Dustin, not only is he that spot to spoil, he's that, that classic, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to test you. But, again, uh, he, he's showing that he's not done. He's showing that, 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 that uh, depending on the environment, he can actually rise to the occasion quite well. And, granted, Pantoja didn't look that great, or he gassed and did lose key scrambles that, that allowed Ortiz to get ahead. Uh, Pantoja's another guy I'm high on. That's no slouch getting a, a win over Pantoja, so... So yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I'm uh, t t taking my foot off the gas on this one more and more as I talk about it even now. Um, but yeah, that's my take on that one. All right, Alexis Davis plus one thirty, Caitlin Chukagian, Chooks, Chook, Chook, Chukagian minus one fifty. Um, Chooks have done me well. Chooks has burned me. Uh, she's fighting at the division she should be, whereas Alexis Davis, she could be fighting at that division. But it surprised me to be honest to see the. That name on the docket, you know, seeing her first drop down. And she looks like she's doing it the right way. She's been doing her meal prep. She looks healthy. And uh, not unfairly body commenting in any way or anything. But, like, it looks like, yeah, she, she, she it looks like she could have facilitated this drop. We'll put it that way, right? 
So it doesn't maybe it doesn't shock me in that sense. So um, we we could uh, I don't think that will be a factor. But does that mean that she's going to come out and all of a sudden be T.J. Dillashaw? No, I mean, will she maybe be a little faster? I would hope so. Sure, yeah. Even even at this stage, more advanced stage of his, her career, sure, I would imagine she's going to see the benefits from that re- rejuvenation effect of, you know, having to really tighten everything up to get to the weight class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I don't think you know she's going to be coming out like T.J. Dillashaw or anything like that. Um, I think that the plotting style of Davis is still uh, is still going to be there, and uh, I don't know how that's going to do against the stick and move volume style Chukagan. Again, if you're durable, you can stick and move, uh, and you know fight off the ground decently. You can you can go pretty far in in, in this division. You know uh, these high volume durable fighters, and that's Chukagan. <coughs> Excuse me. And again, uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, but she's like a, a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's no, she's no slouch. As far as the wrestling goes, she's training with good transitional uh, people like Frank Yeager and all those guys over there up at Nick Catone MMA. You know, she's, getting, she's, she's getting really good uh, male training partners in a small uh, focus group. Um, so I really like that. Uh, I, 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 I like her ceiling. Do, you know, do I see her being champion? No. Uh, I mean, I don't want to shut the door or anything, but I'm just saying, like, I, I'm not, you know, mild my, my accolades that I'm giving her here, but, but yeah, I'm pretty high on her, at least in this matchup, so, um, I, I don't think it'll make anything that's, like, confident enough to make a betting article, but yeah, I, I could see a play on minus 150, or especially if it gets lower, or, uh, looking to play this somehow, we'll also see what the over looks like, I'm sure it's gonna be juice to the gills when it comes out. All right, Ross Pearson plus 165, McDessie minus 190. I was actually leaning toward Pearson on this uh, initially, and that might not surprise you. Again, Pearson's one of those guys who public opinion traditionally low. I, I'm, I'm maybe my hipster contrarianness. I've, I've been one a guy to, to, to back Pearson. Um, th- does that mean I'm picking him most of the times? Actually, no, I'm probably picking against him most of the times. But as far as you know, there's a lot to like. You know, there's a lot of things you can defend on him on a lot of those losses. And, and this and that. Um, I still think he's got a lot of fight on him. I think he's just the problem is he just never really evolved. It's the same guy. It's the same reads. So when you got a guy like Dan Hooker, who I think has surprised a lot of people, right? That's, a, that's another, in hindsight, um, more respectable loss. But especially you got a guy like Dan Hooker who is smart and actually, excuse me, watched footage. Yeah, he was going to pick up the reads and knew the knee was going to be there. Or... You know, just taking that match against Masvidal was dumb. Or, you know, but and then even in, in Pearson's wins, even though I, I defend him, like, I don't think he won the LaPriest fight. Now, granted, I'm biased. I think I had a play, and I picked LaPriest, so there's bias there. Uh, I get that it was a, 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 it, could, it could be a close fight, depending on how you look at it. But, yeah, I get all the narratives as far as, like, why Pearson should be done. But uh, as I looked at it, and on the other side of it, I've also been someone who, you know... Um, Man, I, I love shout out shout out to Jordan Killian who I'm gonna, I gotta get back on here soon. But uh, he's a big McDessie fan, and me and Jordan are like so on point on so, so many things. And not that I'm a McDessie hater, but I've just never been like impressed by McDessie. He's just one of those guys like he hit that like spinning back fist on Kyle Watson, I think, back in the day at like UFC 150 something. I don't know in Canada, and I was like or 120 even. <laughs> wow, probably going back to then. Uh, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, this guy comes from a traditional martial arts base, fuck yeah, let's see what's up, and then he just kind of was like, decision, you know, as Teddy KGB, he said he was hanging around, hanging, hanging around, one of those guys, right, and so it's not as hating, I was kind of getting on my nerves, and, and, I, and I think that would maybe cause me to underlook him, 
And uh, then I would end up picking guys like Yancey Medeiros over him. Well, I didn't, still don't think Yancey won that fight, but neither here nor there, right? I think that was, what, UFC 194? Uh, again, just going off the top of my head here. But, um, but you know, McDessey, even though I wasn't completely sold in his last fight, uh, what I did mention, though, I did mention, though, and it did end up coming to fruition, was the possibility of a, a resurgence through Duke Rufus. And I, I mentioned that because it was something that I, I mentioned and was... was uh, ended up, it was initially, you know, skeptical about, but ended up being proved right about with a guy like Paul Felder, where not skeptical, but was, you know, hopeful he would do well, wasn't, wasn't sure. You know, Felder was, was on a kind of inconsistent stretch, if you remember, before he went to Duke Rufus. But the thing is, it, it all comes down to the trainers. And Duke Rufus is a guy who trains Muay Thai, but comes from that Taekwondo traditional martial arts base. So guys like McDessie and Felder who, you know, come from the traditional martial arts base and either gravitate toward Muay Thai and or MMA striking, um, they're going to have a kind of more of a natural fit, a meld. They're going to have a more of a, just the, even the initial trust and identity. Like, oh, this guy knows. He's not just a fighter or a acclaimed coach. He comes from my school, things. And they're going to be more open to learn and go into that environment. And then you're, they're going to go into that environment and find guys like Pettis and all these other guys who also are guys that come from that environment. And, uh, you know, and, and have had that same trials and tribulations of like, yeah, I've had to adjust my stance too, bro. Yeah, I've had to throw th- that kick out and throw this one instead. Oh, yeah, here's what I do instead of and, – and you kind of get that that, uh, that thing. Um, and uh, you, you really see it with their, their styles speak loudly. So that actually pulled me away from Pierce and I actually picked McDessie here. Am I going to play him? You know, probably not. Uh, probably gonna stay the hell away from this one, but uh, but yeah, this was one where I was I was leaning one way, ended up going the other. Um, this next one may be on my avoid list uh, because, and it's another one where I'm gonna pick one way, but the other way maybe uh, look better if you're if you're a fantasy player, and that's Ion Cute Lava at plus one hundred five dog versus Gazimurad Anti Gulov at minus one twenty five. Um, Line's about right. It looks like it's been tightening. I, I, I know uh, there's been action coming in on both sides as far as from where these guys opened at. Not a lot, but uh, I don't know, man. I just, I it's not tempting to me either way. Uh, there's not enough uh, value on either side to be certain. Uh, so that alone, you know, uh, would make you want to kind of look look toward a dog range. But again, the dog, does not, it's not like you're getting big odds that way. That's why I say more for fantasy, uh, especially because... You're lacking that heavyweight presence on the card, where that's your kind of your typical go-to if you're looking for, um, you know, fantasy play for points or possible dogs or both, right? That's kind of your stereotype. Um, no heavyweights, I believe, on the card, so these guys as light heavyweights going to be your next closest thing. Uh, if you want to stereotype it even further, grappler versus striker. Cute Lava is your striker, um, and Cute Lava I think is going to get a little too wild though and open these these uh, opportunities for Gazimura and Antigulov. He's the wrestler. or or the uh, master of sport and thighs, if you're asking Joe Rogan, who I was rewatching it recently. I know I talked about it on this podcast before, but I tweeted. Just, it never gets old, though. You know, he's fighting Joaquin Christensen, and like they're giving the accolades as he's walking in. Like, yeah, he's a master of sports and wrestling. He's a Dagestani guy, trains over at American Top Team. And of course, Rogan's interjection Yeah, look at his thighs. Yeah, yeah, Rogan. And, uh, uh, then, uh, <laughs> And then sure enough, you know, Gazimura gets the fight to the ground, takes the back. And um, I don't know if it's Dom or who, but it's doing the thing where, like, pointing out how, you know, he's extending his back. 
and really getting that flexion and that kind of helps sink in the rear naked choke and and properly so he's bringing that attention to that point of the technique but then of course Rogan interjects during the you know the post fight replay highlight going and how about those thighs I mean just look at this look at how strong they are like you almost hear him like jostling his belt buckle when he talks just like when he talks about leg kicks like you just hear him like almost jostling his belt buckle like oh here he goes <laughs> I love Rogan by the way but come on you know He's got a leg fat. He's got a he's got a leg fascination that Rogan does. Uh, anyways, but uh, I'll take Antti Gulov, the wrestler, you know, uh, here. But uh, yeah, not confident. Next one, I'm definitely not confident. At least as confident as the line. But uh, Hakeem Duwadu comes in at minus three seventy with the comeback on Austin Arnett plus three ten. By the way, is Austin Arnett the most sweet bro freaking name ever? I mean, is that not the most broiest name, like uh, Austin Arnett, bro? And it's funny, when I went to go type in Instagram, you know, I'm doing my social media sweeps of these guys, seeing what they're doing. Of course, like, not only does Austin Arnett come up, but the first three fucking pictures are dudes on dirt bikes. Like, go figure, like, of course, fucking dudes named Austin Arnett would be like, I feel like riding a dirt bike, bro. I feel like it always called to me. <laughs> what do you think, Todd? I don't know, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, versus Hakeem Duwadu. I got Hakeem Duwadu, um... You know, I, I was high on him his last time out. Like, a lot of us were really excited to see what he could do. But again, you know, uh, the UFC reminds us to temper our excitement until they get tested at this level, even if they had decent experience and decent organizations prior. Athletic and skill ceilings all seem to be intact, which they do with the Wadu. But we got to wait and see, you know. Uh, we got to wait and see. Um, Austin Arnett, I just, again, I just think his aggression is going to get the best of him. Uh, coming from that sick jitsu camp and... Um, Hakeem Duwadu, you know, he keeps, he does, he doesn't keep himself out of position. Uh, you know, he got caught, he got, he got caught by Danny Henry, sure, but uh, he keeps himself well in position to deliver that power. Um, I see him doing that here. All right, sorry, I'm gonna keep speeding this up. Kahan Johnson plus 500, Islam Makachev minus 700. This one's uh, uh, careful at your own will. Uh, yeah, you be careful with this one. Um, I'm staying away just because the line. It's gonna be my fights to avoid just because the overinflation of the line. I'm high on Makachev, you know, old grappling. Oh, man, the hand fighting on this guy. You know, I appreciate about hand fighting. He's got some of the best fucking hand fighting. And, you know, training with Khabib and then doing the cross training with AKA. So he's getting the the Sambo to the folk style to the MMA integration. I mean, he's getting the full package. And then now we're seeing his his striking coming along. I mean, um, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But Kahan Johnson's real crafty. His win's not, you know... The space to part, undercards, underwhelming. Easy to lose track of a guy like that. By the way, recently got his black belt from Faraz Zahabi this camp. Um, of course, he runs Vancouver TriStar, but does his training camps out of the main one over at Montreal. But yeah, I'm going to stay away from this one. Uh, I'm going to stay away and just watch watch the uh, shit show ensue and uh, see what the... Uh, yeah, Project Spearhead People's Champion Kahan Johnson can do against uh, Islam Makachev. All right, Alex Morono, minus 105. Jordan Mean, minus 115. This is one where, uh, again, leaning toward Morono. I'm not sure if he opened or was initially the dog. I want to say he was. Line's a bit tightening up. He's uh, mean slightly favored, but uh, trending. You know, we'll, we'll see where it trends from here, but um, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm staying away. I did take Mean, though. Um, you know, I, know I, I was really sketched out with just kind of his whole, his whole long stretch. But he is young, even though he's a weathered young. And uh, 
he showed that veteran savvy. I didn't expect him to come out and be the world beater and, and, and you know, do those opportunistic flashes. And even if he did and got a Eric Silva out in there the first round, I don't know if I would have been picked him here or even been as confident or as high, not that I'm high but on him, but or as high on him, you know, uh, as I am here. But I liked what he did. He he showed the flashes and the striking and, 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 and competed where he needed to in the first round. And then once he found a way to... Uh, a clear path to victory in the second. He, he followed it up in the third, showing the veteran savviness. So it was a very complete performance for me. And it's hard to say what he's doing. Seeing his preparation in, in lead-ups to his past fights also made me sketchy, which is probably why I've been on the other side of him for the most part. I can't even remember if I picked him against that or so. That's, that was just an avoid and a, and a half and a million, right? Jesus, just two sketchy dudes, right? Um, but Morono, I'm, I'm not sure I'm seeing the progression that I like. I like Morono because he just had that dog in him. You know, I think I picked him against uh, Noak and, and as as a dog, and he just did me well, and and really uh, tried to ride with him for for a minute there, but uh, hit and miss with him, riding with him, but just not seeing the progressions. And after, and granted, Nakamura is a southpaw, different style fighter, but after watching that fight and seeing just him being able to still get his aggression and volume off, but he just wasn't being effective with it. Whereas, like seeing just a veteran being able to pick his shots. And I could totally see Mean doing it. Who isn't afraid to shift off the southpaw? Because uh, he's just so he just works so well. Mean does off his left hand, no matter the stance he's working from. Um, so I really see him being able to pick Morono off. And if Mean, you know, who's always been deceptively savvy with the grappling, even though he's also fallen short there, um, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, I, I, yeah, I could see him holding his own and kind of dictating. Uh, uh, dictating slash holding his own when it does go to grappling exchanges. So I'll take Mean here. Um, he's at home. That'll help for his comfort as well. Uh, and because, you know, Morono, in retrospect, even though I'm still excited about the guy, he's still young and still developing. And he's like coaching himself in his corner. I don't know if he's still teaching and kind of one of those main guys where he's, he's the main the main dude, which is not, not the best thing, especially when you're young. So I could see him maybe kind of washing out. But then coming back later and having like a really successful career as a more well built 170, or maybe even cutting to 55 or a 65 when it's you know by the time he comes back or something. I'm, that sounds really terrible. Like I'm speaking like the dude's out of the UFC. When, when, this is a very winnable fight for him, obviously. But I'm just saying like that's kind of like my one of those flash visions I have in my head. All right, I'm just gonna try to push through to save myself some editing uh, and save myself some time here. Uh, and there's only four fights left, so yeah, f it. Uh, Alexander Hernandez minus 105. Olivier Aubin Mercier minus 115. Uh, really surprised me, despite my official pick. My official pick surprises me, but despite my official pick, the line surprises me. There was no way I, I was expecting even Alex Hernandez to be within sniffing distance of a 1 to 2 to 1 underdog. I figured he'd be at least a 2 to 1 underdog and upwards as he should be with the sample size that he's provided. But no, uh, we now we now find it at a near pick'em, with Aubin Mercier only slightly favored. So for that alone, if you are on OAM, I do not blame you. Um, I picked Hernandez, but in no way was I preaching a, a confidence or for anybody to, to follow me off that cliff as far as picking him, and definitely not to play him. But even though there was limited uh, information. Limited, this is hard. Limited information to the public, but from what I, I was able to be privy to see, slash, also just just hear from 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 tr training partners and, and guys who know him, is that you know was the real deal. Um, so even though I picked Daryush, 
in the last fight. I believe this was on the void, and, and I took Hernandez as well on, on fantasy for that reason. That this kid's freaking live, and and he he showed that. Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, just the way he was moving, you know, you 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 look at that, and 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 it's it's hard because even if 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 you were able to track down his earlier footage he's going to be changing from fight to fight as he should be from the age he is. And just seeing a guy kind of that athletic and muscle with that spring, but then still having the lightness and fleet of foot and taking the angles and doing just really subtle things well. And then just going through, you know, and kind of stalking him through videos through his Instagram, just kind of watching the way he moves and the, the control that he has over his body. It's really impressive. Now, some of it might look like woo woo Conor McGregor impression bullshit. And I, I get that, but it's really, uh, impressive when you're just judging for what what, what that means you know does it mean he's going to be a good fighter no you know no um that, that doesn't translate to it but we already know he can fight we already know he can put guys out at the top level and come in on a big stage confidence certainly isn't an issue and that's a big deal you know i try not to put too much emphasis in it but mental obviously is huge and he seems to be really right there and is really admitting that when he that he wasn't at, at times and that it took him that and you know you see the gaps in his career and close fights and close losses to, to Jamal Emmers, another prospect. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and so it, it really speaks to just, you know, it really comes off genuine as far as that confidence and whew, really sells me, man. I really, really enjoy talking to this kid when we've had him on Junkie Radio. Um, and then also just, you know, tracking down his interviews elsewhere. Like the, the media scrum he actually recently did was really, really, really something else. He's just like fucking Han Solo walking in there, right? The fucking the leather jacket, all confident. Like, yeah, well, this thing, this thing made the Kessel run it. <laughs> like that's that's what that's what it came off as. But a likable douche. No, but uh, like, like like Han Solo is right. Han Solo is a likable douche. And I'm not calling uh, Hernandez a douche by any means. He's uh, he seems like quite the character, actually. And we're Aubin Mercier, who always reminds me of one of those like 1960s claymation, like uh, you know, the Christmas story of Elf and the Contos Workshop, and they have the, like, he looks like one of those those, those characters. And of course, maybe not so much now that he's grew the mustache and coined the Canadian gangster thing, which I, I don't know to be a fan of it because I like Owen's personality. Like I think he's always got a great personality from like oh, baked goods and stuff, and he always had like a weird nerdy personality like from studying him before. Now he's actually bringing it out, and I think people are seeing it. They're like oh, now they're like going crazy. Like oh, yeah, and I think he's kind of become the media sweetheart, which you know makes old contrarian Dan go, oh, what the fuck, man? This is Canadian because part of me is like, as I like his personality, but the Canadian gangster gimmick feels like it feels like he had a Reebok fight kit, and he already kind of dresses kind of hipsterish, you know. And was just like, let me do something funny and like take a funny picture and for Instagram and call myself the Canadian gangster. And it like it, it caught on, and then he just ran with it. But if you look at it, it's like, what did he really do? He pulled some socks up. He had some kind of colorful shoes, which really, if you look at like the, the, they were the, probably the stock shoes. I think they give out to the Reebok. And you look at the style of shoes these days. Loud shoes are in, so those weren't really that loud. Same with the sunglasses that he put on. Loud sunglasses are in, so you know his sunglasses really weren't that loud. So essentially, you just got a guy with a mustache who. And a fanny pack who decided to take his fanny pack, string it across. You know, it was just like a very makeshift on the spot. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's getting a lot of mileage out of that. <laughs> so I'm saying, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm just saying he's getting, he's getting a lot of mileage out of that. Anyways, good on him. 
Uh, not hating, he should win this. Uh, good on you if, if if you're on him. But man, this is one of those spots where uh, it's like Vulcan Ozdemir versus Manawa is what I compare it to. Um, where even when I went, I remember going back to read that breakdown, and I was like, "What? I took Vulcan Ozdemir here because I just it didn't make sense that I would you would take you know because again it's a similar thing. Guy with a limited sample size comes in. Granted, Vulcan actually had like a, a three round decision to look off of, but you know you really didn't have too much to look off of from, uh, from him. And uh, I get the same. I get the. I get the same feel here from Hernandez because at the end of the day, what is the worst matchup for a guy like OAM who is kind of stiff on the feet? And even though he's quote unquote improved in boxing range, what is even up to his very you know not the last fight because he didn't make it into the corner because uh, he props on him got Evan done him out of there in the first round. But uh, even the, uh, all his fights leading up to it, even Frost says, uh, no, let's not stay at boxing range. Let's either be all the way in or all the way out. The coaches know that's his weakness. That's where Hernandez is strong. So what's the guy that's going to beat a guy like OAM, who's going to a guy that wants to wrestle or grapple you down, uh, and gets you against the cage? And it's going to be a guy who has knockout power, who can hit and move, can wrestle, and is hyper athletic. That is literally the perfect opponent on paper for a guy like OAM. And now we're talking not in absolutes because there's no such thing in absolutes. I'm talking stereotypically, obviously, and admittedly, but that is a prototypical guy that's going to beat a guy like OAM, right? I think even someone backing OAM could admit that. Um, now, does that mean Hernandez is that guy? Even the guy picking Hernandez? I don't know that. So I, I don't blame people for being skeptical, but on paper, he appears to be that. I'm going to pick him here. All right, Tisha Torres, plus 265, Ioana check minus 325. Going to go a little faster on this one. Um, the main, you know, again, these these ones I, I also explain more in, uh, in detail on the main card. You can, of course, find it as per usual at MMAJunkie.com. Um, yeah, uh, I think this is a tough matchup for Torres. Not as tough on paper as Andrade, Andrade because I don't think you know, Jacek's going to feel the need to change up and, and show off uh, any offensive wrestling games for me. Excuse me. Or may it not have been working on behind the scenes. But her defensive wrestling, of course, has always improved. And her scrambling ability, which will serve her well if she gets into these positions with Tisha Torres, who has made... Imp- it's funny. It's like she's made improvements in her grappling and her aggressiveness as far as going for submissions. But as far as her wrestling, it's almost like it's gotten not... You know, it, it's like, it, yeah, it's like degraded maybe even. Like, you think about it. She was, what, working with the American top team in one of the most healthiest female stables. And it it just, it was funny because I realized this in my last kind of run through of this fight because I was going back and reading all my old breakdowns before I, before I jump into film study like I normally do uh, when I'm when I'm outlining these one, these breakdowns. And, and I'm reading like, the accolades and I'm like, you know, wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling when I'm, when I'm talking about like Tisha's earlier fights, like, you know, like 2014, 2015-ish when, I, when I'm referencing those. And then you start going through the years and it's like less wrestling talk. I'm like, why, why? And then I start going to the footage and I'm like, oh, yeah, she kind of gets away uh, from that when she needs to. Maybe like the Angela Hill fights the last fight where she really kind of used it um, a lot. And uh, and I don't know if it's going to be enough. And Jacek shows she can be taken down. I mean, even up in her last fight, uh, Rosanami Yunus, who, granted, you know, underrated in that area, being able to change up her takedowns the last couple fights from Watterson to her Yan Jacek fight, um, at least the second fight. The first fight didn't last too long. But, uh, you know, as far as changing the level there, but Yan Jacek gets up so well. She uses that single leg, gets up, and she's one of the few girls that can match Torres's volume, both going forward and backward at the end of the day. So she's the pick here. It's funny, the over is, like, juice minus 390, way over the price for Yan Jacek, so... 
Um, I don't hate you for Jacek as a parlay piece. I, I I could see it there for for me as well. I just just one of those things where, where, where Torres is going to be outgunned unless you know she gets like a, a mentally weak or crush Jacek then not going to happen and we would have gotten that young check last time obviously you can argue that we didn't get the best young check not taking away from rose but like you know or whatever she didn't perform at her best yada yeah sure uh, obviously yeah her performance a lot a lot of holes in it sure but I, I don't think it was like a she came back and she was a shell of herself because that was the spot where she was gonna look really bad and she didn't look terrible even if you wanted to be hard on her last performance um all right uh jeremy stevens minus 120 now what the fuck <laughs> I would say how the plus 100. I picked Jeremy Stevens, and even I'm surprised that he shifted. Uh, I, Jeremy Stevens was going to be an underdog play all day, but of course, since I can't do my betting article till later in the week, this is kind of a prime example where, ah, oh, I can look out oh, great, release my breakdown early in the week, but then slowly but surely, um, of course, there's a lot of people steadfast holding to Aldo, especially with the odd swing, and I don't blame you. Uh, using the, the the word that old Joey Odessa, shout out to MMA odds, hates value. Uh, I, you know, I, I get get why he hates that word. Hey Benjamin, I get why he hates that word. Uh, but 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 the, the, the screams value when you see Jose Aldo's dog money. I get it. But then you're also seeing the public opinion sway, which surprises me, man. And again, I'm somebody out there in the public uh, picking Stevens. Um, and it's not just like a complete fade on Aldo, even though Aldo, you know, has been, you know, you'd say he has been looking to slow down and you, you, you saw and getting stopped and taking more and more damage, especially left hands. It was like the left hook in the Mendez fight and the, uh, the left hand that ices him in McGregor, um, so forth. The shots that Edgar was landing in his fight for what that's worth. Uh, and then of course, yes, you know, Max Holloway, which is more just that building, uh, versus Aldo who takes breaks off. Now, Jeremy is not a builder in the sense of Holloway, but he is a fucking freight train in the sense that he stops for no one um, or nothing unless you hit him with that perfect check hook, which even though Aldo's counter right hand is one of his best shots and obviously hence counter right hand his best counter shot, I think his check hook, his left hook is going to be live as shit in this fight, uh, Jose Aldo. If you're a Jose Aldo supporter, look for that. Um, his leg kick should have play against Stevens, who even though Stevens has been making waves with his leg kicks, his lower calf kicks, Stevens doesn't have great leg kick defense. Uh, but, you know, he's coming in here saying he's welcome in the leg kick battle. But the problem is Aldo doesn't throw leg kicks that much. You know, a lot of it was wrestling threats, and a lot of it was just uh, energy and, and worried about him breaking his foot. And all these things have really led to him not throwing them sparingly. You listen to Aldo's coaches and corners are telling him to only throw them you know, sparingly at the end of rounds or toward the end of fights, if at all. So, yeah, man. Um, I think it's going to be one of those fights where Aldo is just outpointing him until Stevens, like I say, my breakdown just has a resurgent knockout in round three. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the lines I'm proud of the most, which uh, came up in a conversation, I think it was with uh, Lance Fischel and Wesley Colvin on Twitter there. We were talk talking after our Stevens' last fight with him. And I said, like, dude, this guy's like the junkyard dog who finally found out how to work his own chain. And uh, I think Wes said, I like that. And I said, me too. I'm going to use that for my next breakdown. So there it is. There it is. Uh, credit, credit, uh, partial credit to those guys there. Uh, MMA analysis dudes. Um, but yeah, that, but that, that is Jeremy Stevens, all right? I mean, whether or not you think he can win this, he is the, the fucking junkyard dog who found out to work his own chain because it makes no sense. He's been fighting longer than Aldo as far as like more fights, more miles, and all that shit goes. I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense that he's fighting to his best right now. That is my dog in the background in case you haven't picked up that noise. So I'll take Stevens here by knockout. Um, and I'm sure he'll, he'll probably end up on my uh, DraftKings as well. All right, main event time. Eddie Alvarez, plus 145. Dustin Poirier, plus 165. 
Dude, this is again. I, I I abuse this analogy, especially with their last two fights with Justin Gaethje. But it, that that love triangle these guys have, it, it all fits the same thing. I mean, there's essentially every time these guys fight each other, there's essentially two two drivers getting in a car for a high speed chase, and we're gonna see whose tires fall off first. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's that's pretty much it. Um, man, I love Alvarez, and you wouldn't know it because I feel like I'm picking against him all the time lately. Uh, I picked against him almost every time, it feels like. Uh, I picked a Gaethje. I picked a Poirier against him the first time. And I'm picking Poirier against him here. I just think, you know, he's traditionally done well against Southpaw throughout his career. I think he's 7-2-1. and 2-0 uh, and in rematches. Done good in rematches. You know, he's got he's got these these trends for him. But, you know, the Southpaws who he's... Uh... You got to go outside, bud. Sorry, I'm my dog out. Go. Go. The trends that uh, the trends that he uh, shows against Southpaws recently from McGregor to Poirier were just kind of troubling. And I think those right hand leads and the way he darts in the pocket, even though kind of he'll kind of move away from that Southpaw power side, he's got a got good outside foot awareness. He just seems to be available for that for that pull for those pull counters and those inside angle counters, man. And uh, Poirier, he's not he's shown that he's he's grown past. That guy that McGregor had pegged so well, you know, uh, McGregor really brought to light on that lead up that, you know, a Poirier wasn't just trash talk. It was really smart of McGregor. You know, Poirier gets emotional. He knew how to pick on those emotions. And that old Louisiana slugger, right, uh, could just awaken that in Poirier. But Poirier's shown discipline, man. He's, he's faced a lot of adversity in his fights, a lot of trash talk. Um, and, and and just so much stuff, and he's kept his cool in these wars, man, has been able to pull it out, these third, fourth-round stoppages, and uh, I've just been super impressed. I, just, I think it's his time. Unfortunately, the winner of this won't, probably won't get what they want, and which makes me want to root for Alvarez more because he's fighting on his contract, and he's the underdog, and I love underdog. You know Dan Tom loves underdogs. I've always been a big fan of Eddie Alvarez. I, I hold him right up there with BJ Penn for a most accomplished lightweights. I, of course, I hold BJ Penn a little higher because he's more of a door, more of a guy who just was kind of more of the pioneer and more of a door opener. But as far as accomplishments and just you look at the fucking highlight reel and the fact that he's still competitive, how do you not give Eddie Alvarez his fucking due? I mean, the dude's amazing. Um, so I could totally see him dogging it out, and I'll be cheering if if he does. Believe me, it doesn't matter about the pick here. Uh, so I don't blame you for picking either side on DraftKings. There's uh there's some valuable valuable points to be had and valuable takes and angles to be had either way from there. Uh, not so much in the betting because it's such a tight fight and t- t- an appropriately tighter line. I don't want to say it's a tight line because it really, I guess, you know, isn't compared to a lot of the lines on this card. Um, but yeah, I, I like I, I like I like Alvarez. I like uh, Boya here, and I'll be uh, part of my heart will always be rooting for uh, Edgy Edgy Alvarez. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Uh, sorry, I was sorry didn't have any like hard plays to give you guys, but as far as my, my those are, are my official picks, which should be up now on MMA Junkie, and, and that's my analysis for all the matchups as we touched on the odds here. Um, we'll have more stuff coming for you. More good news with this top five podcast going to be doing once a month, like I stated, and uh, I'll give you more news on those fronts as they come in. 
But yeah, positive news ahead, my friends. Good things to come. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys as usual. Um, you know, uh, for putting up with these later editions that I've been been so accustomed to for the last couple months now. I'm just glad I can do two back to back for you. And apologize if this gets up and edited late. Good luck on your picks and plays this weekend. And until next time, protect. <laughs>